0: Welcome
1: to the Punk Rock NBA Podcast.
0: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Tommy End, the wrestler formerly known as Alistair Black. You may know him from his stint in WWE as well as a bunch of smaller promotions. We've followed each other for quite a while, and I was excited to finally get the chance to sit down and talk with him. I'm by no means a wrestling expert, but. I know that there's a lot of wrestling fans out there i know there's a lot of crossover between like you know the alternative music scene and wrestling and i know that there's a lot of similarities between how you promote and manage yourself as a wrestler to how you promote and manage any other kind of creative career like being a musician or whatever so Very excited to sit down and talk with him. He's a very thoughtful guy. I think you'll enjoy this conversation, even if you're like me and you're not super into pro wrestling. So stick around for that. In the meantime, if you would like to support the show, there's a few things you can do. Number one, share it on social media. Number two, you can buy some merch if you want to do that. There's a link to that in the description. And number three, you can support us on Patreon if you really, really like us. There's a link to that in these show notes as well and with that out of the way let's get into this episode Tommy welcome to the podcast thank you for making time for this I know you've had a busy couple weeks
1: yeah well uh thank you for having me man I've been stoked to uh do this one for uh for a while so um I'll gladly make time for stuff that uh stuff like this stuff that I'm invested in so yeah no problem
0: I appreciate it. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, so I'm I'm glad we did. So, like I said earlier when we were chatting, for anybody who's listening, I don't really know anything about pro wrestling, you know, other than the very basics. You know, I was a Hulk Hogan fan, you know, like every other, you know, kid of the 80s and I sort of loosely follow it, I suppose, a little bit here and there, but I don't know a ton about it other than um like we talked about, it seems like there is a ton of crossover between the two cultures, between the way the businesses work. So I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit and about your brand, Black Mass. So I guess for anybody who's not familiar, um, you know, obviously you are a pro wrestler. You were with WWE for a long time. You've parted ways. But what is your kind of history with music? I mean, you have like an integrity collab, so you're obviously not a tourist.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think for so many of us, I think for so many of our generation, even our current generation, I think for people like ourselves, like I think creative people will always find creative people or creative ways to, you know, ha- have an outlet or an expression. I think music kind of either allows you to create or it accommodates your creative vision. I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't doing something or or have had like great like ideas if I wasn't listening to music. You know what I mean? All my best ideas come with music and that's like, it's it's an escape to so many people. I think that everyone in the world uses music to accommodate emotions, to accommodate creativity, to accommodate projecting brainwaves on to what, what it is that you wanna make. You know, like you have a very successful podcast, a very successful YouTube show that's based around music, right?
0: Moderately successful. Uh,
1: highly successful you know and the same goes for me like a lot of the times when i was a kid and you know i think again for so many of us music was an escape music was a thing that i could dive into music was something that it didn't harm me you know i mean It, it wasn't it wasn't something that would put me in jeopardy music allowed me to be me no matter no matter what no matter how much i didn't feel like myself as a kid music allowed me to be me no matter what because i would put in my earphones, and no one perceived that world but me through the music, you know?
0: Were you like a metal guy, hardcore guy, a little bit of both?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. I uh, I was, I think I was 12, um, yeah, 12 when I bought Fear Factors Demanufacture. That was the first album I ever bought. And then the second and third album were Uncivilization from Biohazard and Damned in Black, By immortal so I had these like three very different yet alternative like uh, genres in my collection in my own collection and before that uh, my brother used to be friends with I have an older brother and he used to be friends with uh, a guy that lived in our streets same age as my brother my brother's 40 now. And uh, he was a big Iron Maiden fan. So, you know, whenever this whenever this guy would come around, he was wearing Iron Maiden shirts. And obviously, when you're like, you know, like six, seven years old, that looks impressive as hell on, on a yeah. T-shirt, right? You see like Eddie on the shirt. And, you know, you, you remember seeing the uh, the al- album cover art for like Killers and, uh, you know, the, the, the woman laying stabbed and Eddie with the knife standing there. And that always kind of like intrigued me. And then I, my brother had a mixtape, so I started listening to the mixtape. Right. Yeah. all these all these like like Iron Maiden songs. I remember the first one that I ever heard was bring your daughter to the slaughter and running free. And that's kind of how it started. My uh, my my father was always very much into guitar music, not like heavy alternative stuff or anything, but like Dire Straits, you know, Neil Young and stuff like that. Bob Dylan, uh, Fleetwood Mac. So there was always guitar music around me. And then I kind of grew into the guitar music. And sure, like, you know, I'm, I'm European, I'm from the Netherlands. You know, there's a lot of dance music that came out of the Netherlands too. So I'm also not particularly I don't I don't dislike dance music neither. And, you know, when you listen to Fear Fear Factors Demanufacture, where they're using like, you know, synths and stuff like that, they're using samples and they kinda like, you know, really laid that laid a foundation for like industrial metal stuff like that. So, you know, I grew up with so many different styles of music, but they were all towards the alternative stuff and uh that's kind of just how it grew man like I, I love any type of music especially as a kid as long as it's as long as it's alternative like you're into it you know you're going to gravitate towards it doesn't matter whether it's hardcore or black metal or or regular metal or like whatever whatever it is you're going to gravitate to it because it speaks to you.
0: was there the kind of crossover with wrestling back then that there is now it feels like that's i don't know not new but I don't feel like that was there in even the '90s. Is that a newer thing, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, if you even go back, like WrestleMania is the first one. Like Alice Cooper was was involved in some of the uh, some of the earlier stuff, and they did crossovers with pop culture, and that's kind of how wrestling also uh, was brought to into pop culture. And like, it's funny, right? Because we started the conversation. You were saying I grew up as like a you know Hulk Hogan guy, and like I don't actively follow it, but everybody knows everybody i always talk to has some story about professional wrestling as a kid or seeing something or knowing someone from that was involved somehow with some promotional with the WWE or with other companies you know what i mean and i think everybody everybody knows it all around the world like the 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 ip of it is 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 huge you know the, yeah. the, the pro wrestling sports entertainment part it's 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 big everybody knows about it
0: and you were part of at least initially NXT which it seems like that's sort of their more like edgy kind of brand is that right
1: yeah i think they kind of like bridged the gap between you know, when you're on the independents i feel the alternative scene is much bigger on the independents you know it's a little mm. bit more comparable to like you know hardcore hardcore shows and stuff like that it's it's, right. it's a very true crowd You know, they're, they're very dedicated fans like the independents have you know the kids there that are that are competing on the independents and the, and, the, and the fan base are very very diehard very you know very vocal very um positively opinionated and, and negatively opinionated, you, <laughs> you know. It's, I feel like there's a lot passionate. of similarities between, well, isn't that the same with music? You know, I, yeah, mean, like, yeah. like, I don't think there is a, a genre of, of music apart from maybe black metal, but with hardcore, people are very opinionated as to, you know, staying true to what they think is true. And it's the same that goes with professional wrestling. So in that sense, you know, it has a cult following wherever it goes. NXT kind of like, obviously it's a it's a big stage. NXT is huge and, you know, it gravitates, you um, it gravitates to that and now like with a comp- with companies like AW that in my opinion even even grab that core passionate fan base even even more so um, you know you see all these like cool little little pop culture blends but also these underground like blends that kind of mesh in well like I think, uh, I think last night they had Poppy on and uh, oh, okay. you know, they've, they've, they've done stuff with Parkway drive. Yeah, they've, they've had so many like, like code like,
0: orange did something with like NXT.
1: Code orange played me out to the ring. That's they right. played yeah. my, my track with uh, Brandon from incendiary. So that was obviously, you know, cool. So, so did
0: with stuff like that, did you put that together with them or how, how does something like that happen?
1: That's all, that's all triple H.
0: Oh, okay. So he's that plugged in.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's a big motorhead guy. He's always, always like him and me, uh, you know, uh, a lot of conversations were about music. I would like if there, were, uh, if there was a new album out, you know, I would like screen cap it and send it to him. And he, would like, he, he likes he likes listening to music and uh, big big Metallica guy, big Motorhead guy. Like I think Motorhead is, is his favorite band. Uh, if you type in Triple H Motorhead, you'll see all sorts of pictures of him and uh, Lemmy together. And but there's a big difference. There's a big also. gap
0: between Motorhead and Code Orange, though. So it's pretty cool and impressive that he's you know, that plugged into, you know, a relatively new small band that he would understand, you know, how, what they bring to the product.
1: Keeps his ear on the ground. And that, yeah, and that's 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 why I think NXT was always so fun because it kept that, like, the more true crowd engaged. And, uh, you know, it, it, it allowed fans to really, like, see something that they've always loved on a grander scale without feeling that it compromised them.
0: Yeah, promoting yourself and managing your career as a wrestler seems almost the same thing as being a musician to me. Would you say that's true?
1: No, it's completely correct. You are your own franchise. You are your own, like the word IP, I use that word all the time, but you know, you, you are responsible for that and you know, the the gigs you play is, you know, your promotion and obviously now with social media, it's uh, it's a hell of a lot easier, which is a good thing. Yeah, but yeah, you know, back in the day it was uh word to mouth, you know, out of promoter scene, you rustling out of companies. Um, and like, you know, we, you would inch closer to this side of town and then like you would inch closer to the border of this thing, and, you know, because there were companies running all over and like it was a lot of tape trading going on going around. Um, but but you are one hundred percent correct. You're in a in a in a in a car with a group of dudes that are going to perform that night in in Germany in front of 500, six hundred dedicated people.
0: And probably a similar challenge I would imagine these days, it, it seems like everybody wants to do wrestling. Like every like bigger dude I know that's into, you know, every time I die in Black Dahlia Murder is, you know, going to pro wrestling school. And standing out from the crowd seems to be the, the challenge in both of those.
1: Yes. I feel that um, in the course of my two decades, over two decades of being involved in this business, being involved in a sport. A lot has changed some good some bad and one of the things that i feel that i wish that a lot of the younger kids would do is indeed find ways to stand out you know look at what other people are doing and making a conscious decision of like okay that's what they're doing i'm not doing that and i'm gonna you know because that's what i've always tried doing you know and I feel that did make me stand out for a very long time, but eventually, you know, things catch up and there's different levels to this stuff. And uh, I feel like also there's a, there's a lot of accessibility, like a lot of, there's a lot of access to people being able to get trained, which in my days wasn't because they didn't want to train you because I mean, that was like 150 pounds and they were like, eh, we don't want to train this like lanky skinny kid from the Netherlands that wants to be a pro wrestler. It was a big, big man business, right? Back in, the, back in 2000. So it's a lot more easier to get in but it also is at the cost of the quality of training and the quality that I personally feel that wrestling needs to, you know, be brought in with, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of like phenomenal talent. There is like kids that are doing crazy things, things that like, you know, things I even think were possible, but I feel sometimes in that the details kind of get lost a little bit, but you know, that doesn't mean that, like, there's people like myself and other people in, uh, on uh, in that industry that can take and put an arm around them and say, "Hey, look, what you're doing is great. Now let me now let me polish you." You know, what I mean, because that's that, that that that's what it's about.
0: I saw that you trained a bit with Bob Schreiber, and yep. you know, that era of like Dutch MMA and kickboxing was no fucking joke. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I've always, uh, as a kid, I've always wanted to be a professional wrestler my entire life. I think the first thing I ever saw was like a little clip of um the million dollar man and i was hooked and my my dad was just flipping through channels but we never really had wb or wbf on uh in the Netherlands. we had new japan so right as i saw that clip was probably the last episode they would they aired in the Netherlands. then we got new japan pro wrestling so the more japanese realistic shoot style martial arts orientated style that would be presented, you know, as a, as a, as a six, seven year old, you're looking at that and you're like, well, that's, that's, I gotta do that. Okay. So I gotta, I do, gotta do martial arts. So my parents would put me on judo and they would put me on karate. And later on I went to Penchak silat and, you know, and kickboxing. And at that time I'm nine, 10 years old when this starts happening, where I transition to Penchak Shilat and kickboxing and stuff. Um, you, you obviously understand that pro wrestling is a complete separate entity, you know, to that but
0: a lot of those guys pro wrestlers back then could fight.
1: Yeah, those, still do a still, lot of them yeah. Still do. Yeah, they they were legit. Yeah, 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 they, they were even, uh, yeah, 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 the, yeah the bad, bad dudes, but it's also because the training back then was like different. You were taught how to like, you know, apply shoot holds and, and and actually wrestle and stuff like that and grapple and a lot of them would come back from catch wrestling and you know had backgrounds in 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 pancreas and shoot style fighting and stuff and uh the same was when i started training there because obviously back then you had guys like hans Neiman and dick fry bob schreiber man melvin manhoof yuri mess all these dudes that were all like legitimate fighters and you know come from the came from the era of of like you know open hands striking and stuff like that and you had different rule systems and you know pride was just kind of going around and you know it was it was a different more unregulated era in mma Mm -hmm. yeah and it was like it was it was, it was brutal. It was really, really, really brutal. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And Do
0: pro wrestlers still train like that? Or is it less about, you know, kind of that shoot style now? Or what are things like now?
1: I think a lot of them are very more based on the athleticism part. I don't. I still, if uh, I'm actually setting up a school with my wife. And it is absolutely, in my intent to teach uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, uh, at least striking and stuff like that, uh in my school like i have no grappling background so i i I can't teach grappling but i would hire a um a brazilian jiu-jitsu coach or a grappling coach once a month and you know hey guys we're gonna you know because i want them to feel the legitimacy of 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 the holes that they apply to and you know for me that part is still very very important you know like I, i i i'm a big fan of like protecting that part of the wrestling business where people do know how to Punch and kick and 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 you know trap and uh, and and put apply apply chokes and pressure and then like and, and heel hooks and knee bars and stuff like that and because um, you know it also gives you a dimension and form of realism applied to your trade.
0: Sure. And for anybody who's listening that may not be familiar, like the the era of Dutch kickboxing that we're talking about here, that people like Bob Schreiber came from, I would say was like some of the best striking ever. I mean that like. K-1, late 90s, early 2000s era of kickboxing mm-hmm. was fucking incredible.
1: Yep, yep, yep. yeah. It's, um, you know, it set the foundation for what is now, you know, a very global phenomenon in terms of like MMA, you know, with him, we talk talking about one championship, UFC, um, you know, companies like that. And th- th- they laid the foundation for all of that. And sure, you know, even back then, the UFC was around, but it's, like, you know, and th- th- everything kind of like, evolved into this what it is now and a lot of those like dutch kickboxers and like free fighters as we called them back in the day actually um you know are responsible for a lot of the kids that you see now in those octagons in those rings
0: Mm -hmm. so how do you get noticed as a kid in the netherlands how do you get noticed all the way over here in america and kind of make that crossover because I hear from a lot of musicians that have that challenge and it's, it's really hard.
1: Yeah. I think it's a mindset. I, I, like, I, and I can only speak from my, you know, from my perspective. And like I said, you know, when I started out, social media wasn't really a thing, you know, you'd have like a few pages, like the internet was very, very new, obviously in the span of 25 years that the internet's been around to this extent. Um, a lot of things have changed and evolved very quickly, of course. But when I started out, you know there wasn't there, there, there was not a lot of wrestling a lot of the old timers didn't want to train you because of before mentioned and reasons i just never gave up man i literally never gave up because wrestling is also the thing that kept my head above water same with music right I, it allowed me to project my own world my own reality and i could i could trap myself and it gave me it gave me purpose and because it gave me purpose i allowed myself to do things that I normally wouldn't have done it because I was so in love with, with with wrestling. And like I said, there's there's been times where I absolutely hated professional wrestling. But, and I have a theory on this, you need to hate it. You need to hate what you do passionately at least once or twice in your life. So then when you stick through it, you start understanding why you love it in the first place.
0: Tell me about that because I felt that a few times. Yeah. And when I felt that, mostly I quit and I don't know if that was the right move or not.
1: Well, if you have to ask yourself if if it was the right move, then it probably was not the right move because that means that somewhere (laughs) somewhere you have some regret in regards to it. I'm a big believer of sticking it out. I'm a big believer of like enduring because you learn so much from being unable to endure things. I think that's a lesson that a lot of people don't really embrace anymore, but enduring struggle and I know this sounds like a hardcore song, I know, but you know, and during the, enduring the, the struggle, yeah, but you know, you, and and obviously, you know, you've talked about like your personal struggles as a kid growing up and like, you know, the things that you were involved with, but you know, you've learned so much, so many valuable things through those struggles that it allowed you, it allowed you to create even more, like, had you not gone through this, let's face it, you and I would have not had this conversation on this level probably not even had this conversation. You know what I mean? And that's why there is there is something to gain from enduring struggle, from enduring sadness, heartache, loss, your surroundings being taken away. Like, you know, what whatever it is that you're going through, there is something in terms of like passion and hating what you're passionate about, but enduring it that allows for so much more love eventually for it. But you have to stick it through. You have to you have to you have to get through it. And that's the hard part.
0: Man, I think that is such an important thing for people to hear because like sometimes I hate YouTube, like on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm like, fuck this. I hate listening to all these fucking people throw verbal abuse at me and blah blah blah. Some days I hate it, but I never quit because, you know, of basically what you said. I know that the difference between someone who achieves you know, I don't want to say greatness because I don't think that I'm great, but someone who achieves something is like anything you want to do is going to fucking suck sometimes. And if you just quit like I have in the past, the first time I was like, I'm over this. And then you quit. You're starting at the bottom of the mountain every time. And I I realized how much that set me back in the past. And you know it, it it may sound to people who are listening to this like you're entitled because you know you have a great job doing youtube or wrestling or whatever but there's moments where you hate it how do you kind of think about that like do you feel guilty for hating it
1: no because i eventually <laughs> i eventually realized that there was a lesson involved you know there is there's moments where i was like why now why, why why like why am i why am i not motivated anymore like why at this moment because there's been times where I was super demoralized and unmotivated that some of the biggest opportunities came knocking at my door, and I was like, "Why? Why now?" But then I see it as like, "Hey, man, if I can do this and I can pull it off while feeling like this, imagine what I can do when I'm like, when I found myself in the struggle again, and I found myself, I've I've conquered that, and I'm able to like, you know, step to the next plateau and like, you know, I can I can level up as the as the gym bros call it, you know what I mean and. Uh, you know, it's 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 important. And I think that's, you know, like you talk about how did you get from from, from from some unknown place in the Netherlands, well not unknown, but like some unknown kid in Amsterdam to you know, being being on WrestleMania uh, in, in, in 16, 17 years later. Right. But that's also it's 16, 17 years. It's, 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 it's that road, you know, it's, it's not going to be given to you. Like, and sure there's people who are going to get there quicker than you. There are people that are naturally more gifted than you, but you can't think like that you know what i mean and you made you made a you made a good remark about like sometimes you hate it because of all the remarks that i made that, that made you same 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 for me you know sometimes you're just like you know because deli- everybody deliberately misconstrues what you're saying of so course. that they can have an agenda that happens continuously. it's happened to me 6 7 times this week because of <laughs> things that i said you know what i mean and like and and they'll purposely create a narrative so that people go oh this this idiot oh he's delusional or oh, he's brainwashed all that all, all these things and you know and the funny thing is i for the last four or five months have made a conscious effort to not check comments anymore and i honestly i've never been a big let me google or let me to like look go into it and look for my own name i've never been a big fan of that because i can count on maybe one hand the amount of times i've done that and i can tell you that every single time i did it i found disappointment so then i kind of went like why am i purposely like willing to Like invite this shit into your brain. Yeah, Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, am I really that much of a, you know, do I really like, (laughs) like, am am I, am I like some sadomasochist that I'm like, I'm looking for this, you know? So no, because it never made me feel better. And it's, it's also like, it's a second split second in time. You don't really always specifically know how things are meant or how things are written. And look, there's people who are just like, they, 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 they just fucking hate you for the fact that you are what you are. That is just going to happen. Happened. there are seven billion people on this planet. I can guarantee you that there's probably several, several hundred people that just literally do not like you. So fucking what?
0: For no reason.
1: Yeah, for no reason. And that's just that's just how it is because I think, especially in this day and age, you know, with social media and like, you know, the way I look at, you know, sometimes I see just, I, I see political discussion. Everyone sees political discussions, right? And the amount of people that clearly have no, no education in politics or have no understanding of politics, and not that I do, I don't at all, but that's also why I don't talk about it. You I, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a political guy. But the 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 arguments that are being made, where you think to yourself, like, okay, but I think that like you know all this stuff is being taken out of context, and like you're feeding your own narrative, and it's almost like you want to be distracted with this. And I wonder what's causing that. And I just don't want to partake in that. You know what I mean? I don't want to partake in 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 this level of being distracted because I do feel that it, a part of it is uh, a part of it is, is distraction, you know? Yeah.
0: I feel like also once you get big enough, your profile becomes large enough that there's almost a, a switch that flips where instead of being loved people, you're just like a target for people to throw shit at.
1: Well, you can't be too successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can be successful, but you can't be too successful. And I think people are deliberately going to try and punch holes in your game plan because it makes them feel better about themselves. Like I, I feel like a lot of times, people criticize, especially now. You know, if I, I'm purely looking at my profession, right, and and from 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 what I have seen in the past, and it's like they criticize because they're in a. Place of comfort, and they've always wanted to do what you do, but they've just never made that call. So then, when they criticize and they see you fall, it's a validation for them to go, See, that's why I never did it. Now mm-hmm. I can feel better about myself because yeah. I was the smart one because I didn't do it. I didn't make myself look like an idiot. Because, in the eyes of people who are unmotivated or are, you know, like working nine to five and are in places that they hate. And again, before it's like, there's nothing wrong with I've worked nine to five before, like sure. as a Russell. I'm not saying, but there's a lot of people that hate that position, but they don't want to change anything about it. So it's easier for them to criticize others so that they validate being in that position. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that that, like for for a big part, that you know, that's what that is. You cannot tell me that people who are so. Negative and And so, you know, they go, they, they, they go through great lengths, you know, to, to, to make sure that you, that they, that you know how much they hate you, like to the point where they make anonymous profiles. Like, I can't imagine being right. this distracted and this like, so you give that much you know. time
0: in your day to do this.
1: Exactly. And, you know, and, and the thing is like, I think that's always the big difference. And yes, you know, and I get that for a lot of people that can be very, very difficult, but my point is, There was a reason why they're doing that. And you cannot tell me that any of these people are truly genuinely content or happy with every factor in their life, you know, and that's, it's, 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 I think it's for the most part, it's, it's, it's a part of projection. And I think, you know, I've, 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 I don't really check my, uh, my, my, my Instagram DMs, but there was a while ago. That someone, uh every once in a while I'll click on it and kind of see what the top requests are because yeah. sometimes like brands will reach out to me or like, you know, whatever. And this person messaged me and uh there's two messages. One message is like full of like
0: Yeah, I know where this is headed. Stuff.
1: Like getting to the point of like being really personal, like talking about like, you know, my wife, talking about me and talking about like, you know, like the way I look and whatever, and then like there was a message underneath it and where he just basically said, like, I'm glad that you never read the above message. And I deliberately didn't send it because I want you to read this at one point. Um, You know, because I, um, I did this because uh, I was in a divorce with my wife and I hated literally, I hated everything. And I hated that, you know, I hated that you were doing what you're doing. So I just found all these reasons to attack you. And even though you might never read this DM, I apologize because it was me. And I feel really bad that I sent you this message. And you know what I mean? And like, and you feel bad for the guy you know? I do, but that's the thing. I like someone once told me, right? The definition of hate is to be obsessed with something till the day you die. Yeah. I don't want any of that. I don't want to have an unhealthy obsession with something to that extent, like, like a legit, like a, a literal unhealthy obsession, because it takes energy. It takes time away from you. And it, it puts you on a lower, like, I feel like it's, 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 it's like, it's some lower level human consciousness that I cannot comprehend. And honestly, I wish for everyone even if you absolutely hate me, I hope that you find all the things in life that make you happy. I really do. Because I've been at the top of the mountain, I've been at the bottom of the mountain, and I've been at every step in between. And I know how incredibly hard all these things can be. But if you would just look at it from the perspective of having walked all the steps and, you know, standing on top and looking down and realizing that what you're doing is just not contributing to anything. But at the same time, that's also the reason why you can't, dwell on it and you can't like sink your teeth in it because i've done that in the past and what did it get me anxiety frustration i've lost sleep over things and, and that make like, in the long run it didn't matter because a day later everybody was everybody forgot about it there's no point to any 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 of it and you also got to realize that for the most part these people are never going to come up walking up to you and say it to your face they won't
0: no a lot of the same people will be super nice to you to your face it's weird
1: Yep, and that's also why i feel like you should not dwell too much on it and realize that there is like from a mental aspect there's probably a lot more going on there's a lot of pain going on as like you know simplistic as that as that explanation sound you know it's a cliche but i think at this point like you know cliches have to come from somewhere there's always some form of truth there's a reason why they're cliches and i think a lot of times it has to do with like being in complete denial New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash ThePunkRockMBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, speaking of people skills and getting along with people, you know, to me, I guess I view wrestling as a creative job, even though it's like a physical, you know, it's a physical activity. But to me, it's it's a creative job. And, you know, when I think about creative jobs, I think there's sort of two parts of it. One is the craft of like, you know, being able to make your art or do what you do in the ring. And the other part of it is being able to get along with all the people and make relationships and kind of manage that stuff behind the scenes. And I think a lot of creative people don't really think about that part of it as much as they should. You were talking before about talking to Triple H. I watched some other interview where you were talking about how, you know, you you didn't love how the writers had been managing your, you know, storyline or whatever, and you were working with mm-hmm. them to kind of change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that side of the job and what you've learned about kind of how to make relationships and, you know, deal with people?
1: Well, at the end of the day, especially when you work for a big corporation, it's a team effort, right? Nothing gets done without camera people, nothing gets done without writers, nothing gets done without referees, nothing gets done without Anyone, same with us, you know what I mean? Everybody plays their role, everybody plays their part. And it's an unfortunate part of our business that, you know, you like, well, not an unfortunate part. It's it's part of our business that you have to sometimes say, all right, this is as, this is as good as it's gonna get in terms of like the creative for today. And, you know, it's a very weird landscape that I was in. And, um, you know, there's only one person in charge. You know what I mean? Like creative can jump high and low what they want, there's one person who eventually gets the last say and if that say is not what we're trying to get out then you're just going to have to accept it and, and go with it
0: and that person is not you
1: that person is definitely not me that person is uh, the, you know the person is the big the, you know the big cheese the big the big man in charts. Um, and this is how it is at
0: every company, by the way, this is not, you know, people may think what they think about Vince McMahon, but it's how it is at every company. When I worked at,
1: you know, Abercrombie
0: and Fitch, it's the same thing. We show the CEO, here's what we want to make this season. And if he says, I don't like that color green, then we change it. And that's the way it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can't do anything like you can, you can, you can, you can try and argue it if you feel like you've got a good point, but you also got to pick your battles. You know, I mean, because like, how how important is this is this one today? You know, do you want to save that for a moment where like it really, really, really matters? But then, how do you stack up what really matters versus is it important today? You know, it's it's a very difficult strategic way of communicating, and even then, you know, even even when I argued my point a lot of times clearly, it, it, you know, it, it made no sense or like it it, it didn't come through, or, or the decision was still no, this is what we're doing. So you know, it's um. It's 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 difficult because like on a, on a on a personal level, and this is also something that I think a lot of people don't understand because this is also something that I've been seeing floating around. Like on a personal level, me and Vince always got along fine, but at the end of the day, he's going to make a decision that he feels is best for what I'm doing, for what the WWE is doing, and you know what I mean. And that's and th- and that's what that is. I again. I got along with them with with him, with him fine, but it doesn't mean that I'm impervious from, from from anything else. That doesn't mean that I'm disillusioned that, you know, he wasn't responsible for a lot of those things. It wasn't, but you know, and that's just the way every company works. Like I worked in, uh, in rehab before this, in terms of like physical therapy and stuff like that. I would rehabilitate people that had accidents and rehabilitate people's lifestyles and stuff like that, mentally, physically, and all that stuff. Me and my boss, like, we're like, we're like, you know, Good butts, but there's been times where I fucked up and he yelled at me. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's,
0: because that's that's his job. Boss. Yeah, you know,
1: that's that's just how it is. Like you're never impervious from any of those things. And like even even then, I'm not saying that it was always right. There's tons of stuff that I disagree with. There's tons of stuff with decisions that that were made. That like the whole 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 reason why you know I, you know we're able to have this conversation now, and the reason why I got let go, in my opinion, is like bizarre. You know what I mean? But I can jump high and low and get as pissed off about it as I want. It's not going to serve me. It is what it is, you know. And yeah. like, all right, on to better things. And that's just how, uh, how I think. I think a lot of times for people who have not worked or have not been in positions like this, or have been in positions like this, but again, coming down to the projection part and coming to like, you know, finding ways and finding holes and what it is that you're saying or misconstruing it, you know, that's 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 just what kind of like. You know, that's 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 what happens. This is this is how that goes. This is the this is the nature of the beast in any 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 business. And um is it fun? No. But what am I supposed to do? Get all bitter, mad, and yell and scream and kick? What is that gonna do? That's not gonna help. I feel
0: like choosing your battles is a really important lesson that a lot of creative people, including me when I was younger, um, Really struggle with like I used to get so pissed off every time I thought the boss made the wrong call about a project and I would argue every little point and I still think I was right about all those things. But from his perspective, he's—it's exhausting. It's like it's—I can't work with you because you argue with me about every little fucking thing, and we can't get anything done. This is this is not working, and it's—I
1: think the flip side of things. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's it's hard to be able to kind of put your ego as the creative aside and go, "Hey, I think I'm right," but I'm going to let this one go because it's about winning the war, not this one little battle. Yep. And I imagine with wrestling, there's a ton of that because. You know, you are the one out there on the front lines and the average fan, it seems to me that people understand how the business works. But still, you know, if you do something in the ring that people don't like, you're going to take the heat for it, even if it wasn't your idea. So I'd imagine it's got to be especially tough to let that stuff go in your role.
1: Yes and no. You know, you learn to basically just like, you know, brush it off. And again, like I think the good point that you make is like, you know, picking your battles you know, that's that's i'm a, like like i said like you know it's not about like like you said it's not about winning this like particular little awards it's, it's like this little battle you want to win the war eventually yeah. like i said yeah yes and no like yeah it's been it's been front especially in the beginning when it happens a lot where you're just kind of like going like god damn it you know i knew this was going to go xyz or like you see we should have done this but eventually, you also just kind of let it be, and like you know, you have to trust in the you have to trust the system at some point, even when you don't trust the system, because it's all you can do.
0: Yeah, you're part of this machine that is bigger than anybody's control.
1: Yeah, and that's the other thing, right? Um, the business is gonna be fine no matter what. It
0: sure is, yeah. with or without <laughs> you.
1: 100%, you know, there's no illusions in, in regards to that, like, but that's also why I'm uh, why I've been so so positive about the way everything's been going, because other than like having great opportunities and having so many connections now, you know, I, I man, it's, it's with with the 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 the, the, pre, the stuff that we just all talked about, I think the resilience of how I went from 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 Amsterdam, and, and, and you know, my childhood being what it was, and then being able to manifest all this, you know, and build all this, and, and make all this. I, I said it in a, I said it in a, in a different interview a couple of days ago. It's like I don't know, maybe it's still coming. I'm just not, I'm just not angry, man. Like I think maybe five years ago I would have been super angry. I just, I've, I've just changed a lot as a person. And um, you know, I think the thing is, like I feel for a lot of the fans because I think a lot of fans are very angry too. And you know, like I feel for them because uh, I understand why. But, you know, me being in this position, it's just, uh, it's very unique. And uh, like I said, I think maybe five years ago, if this were the case, I'd I'd be, I'd be livid, you know? And and of course, there's moments where I get mad and I'm like, I'm frustrated, but I don't know, the general, the general vibe for me has just been like, yeah. Just
0: another chapter
1: in the book of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, there's so many new cool opportunities. And like, this is one of the things like, you know, talking to you is one of the things that, you know, I wanted to do for a... uh, for a very long time, because I've I, I've been very intrigued by your YouTube videos for a very long time. I've been I, like honestly, like I'm I'm at day one. Oh wow! God, well, thank yeah. you. Um, absolutely, and um, you know, so I've always wanted to kind of like sit down and pick your brain and have this conversation. I'm glad it's being recorded because I think it's a very positive conversation. It's a very good conversation, um, because I feel that. There's a perspective being laid out right now that I think a lot of people like, are are, are like, understand and are hopefully taking something from. And, you know, um, maybe it sparks an extra discussion between other people that need this discussion. You know what I mean? I feel like it's always like, we always kind of like, you know, we present people with this, with this bucket of like content and information and hopefully people can do something with that, that is beneficial to them. And of course there's going to be people that it's not going to be beneficial to or like do not like what we have to say, but Hey man, that's. So
0: that's that's okay too. This is a buffet. You can take what you want from it.
1: Absolutely. It's okay to be, it's, you know, it's okay to be critical. It's okay to criticize. And it's okay to not agree with things, and I sure, think that's I welcome it.
0: Yep, I'm happy, and sometimes I'm wrong, and I love it when people point out something that I got wrong, and yeah. that's great. That's part of the reason why I do read comments, even though maybe I shouldn't. I don't know, but because I, I genuinely <laughs> value what people have to say, even if they say it in a really shitty, off-putting way, they still might be right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there's always like, there's always a, uh, I think there's always a point to be made. And it's funny because uh, one of my trainers is uh, is Terry Taylor, who is a uh, is an old school wrestler, and he has a certain way of conveying a message, <laughs> and it wasn't always the best way of conveying. Sure. But the funny thing is, now that he kind of like also realized that, and he's he's in his 60s, right? So he was very I think a very set in his way. Like he he was an absolute brilliant wrestler, and his mind is like, insane, in, right? For like for what I do, his mind was just. Um, his mind was still to this day like it, it really sharpened me. But just his his conveying of the message was sometimes very sharp, where you're like, all right, don't take this personal. Just kind of dissects what's being said. Okay, this is the core essence of what he's trying to tell me. All right, that's awesome. And now that he like I think he kind of like understands that. And like for the past three four years, him and me have had like such a good relate. I, I I reflect a lot of things off of him. Like I'll shoot him a lot of ideas, and then he'll give me a different perspective on it. I'm like, man, he's He's so right, you know what I mean. And I think feedback, feedback. No person in the world, whether that is Tiger Woods or LeBron or whatever, and I'm like obviously using the most successful, two of the most successful human beings on in their pre- respectable sports on the planet, um, has gotten anywhere without getting criticized heavily or without like listening to feedback from other people and uh, other players or other golfers or. You know, I I think and I think that's that's a lot of time that that's what makes the difference between the people who like move forward and the people who move backward or stay behind is because this unwillingness to accept that there is different ways of doing the same thing and there is different roads leading to the same path.
0: You, you know, the band Nails?
1: Yes. Love Nails.
0: I, I remember years ago, uh, I was working on a song and I sent it to Todd from Nails. It's like, hey, what do you think? And uh, Todd is like biologically incapable of bullshitting, which is why I sent it to him. And he was like, honestly, man, I think this is terrible. Nothing about this is good. Like, this is absolutely awful. I think you should just like start over. Sorry. And I was like, no, don't be sorry. Like, that's why I didn't ask you so you would validate me and tell me it was great. I want like, I don't agree with him, but I appreciate that he was honest with me and it didn't make me mad at all. Like I was, I was happy that he was honest with me.
1: Yeah, it's a lost trade. Uh it's actually kind of funny because I, I I especially in the beginning I got a, I got in trouble uh, like a little bit because I was a little too honest with certain people, but the analogy uh,
0: not everyone can handle it. That's for sure.
1: No, no, the analogy was used that I was throwing hot sauce on people when I should just kind of ease them into the conversation. I, have I was like well, done I'm, the same. I'm, well, I'm Dutch. Like Dutch people are very sober minded, very straightforward and uh that's not always appreciated by everyone. And I get that because it, it, it can be very raw. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I find that there is um, like now I've, I've, I've understood the balance between, all right, this is brutally honest to the point where it's just not really funny. And this is the right way to go about things and kind of put them together. And this is like how I can convey my, uh, my message without sounding like I'm saying something that is, that is, that is uh, not pleasant. You know what I mean?
0: Harsh. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you about Black Mass, your apparel brand. How would you describe that to anybody listening that may not be familiar with it?
1: So Black Mass is everything that I thought was cool in my childhood that I took with me from my childhood and I still like now. It is street style skateboarding, black metal hardcore, alternative music, tattooing. The occult—it's all these things that, like you know, I dug as a kid and um, still dig to this day. or like find fascinating or interesting, and uh, specifically like tattooing and tattoo culture is something that I um, that I'm very like intrigued by. The occult still, you know, yeah, also comes back in my in my in the in the in the things that I portray on television. I do this with three of my best friends, which is Daz, uh, Pablo, and my former tag partner Michael Dante, or just Dante. And you know they shared the same vision, and what I really, really love about it is that it is another creative outlet for me, where we can, you know, I can, I because I'm not a designer, I have no idea how to design. You know, I wish, I wish I would have taken the time when I was younger to learn how to do it. You know, I've got brilliant people around me. You know, I've got another kid called Eric from uh, from Hungary who does like really cool style designs. And he, you know, he makes them more like humanoids. Kind of like people looking uh, designs that you see uh, on on Black Mass. And I work with a guy, uh, Scarborough Tattoo. You can find him on IG too. You know, I work with a bunch of really talented people that have a far better creative mind than I have, but I need them so that I can project my own creativity on a shirt, a hoodie, a hat. And in the process, like sell some fun, you know, sell some fun, fun, fun clothes. And I think one one of the things that I pride myself on is that we don't, we're not really super expensive, but we ha- we do offer really good quality stuff. You know, we started with Blackcraft. Called Bobby Shabinsky is like a really good friend of mine. He's he's one of my business partners still. Uh, you know, they're rocking Space Zebra right now. They're doing awesome. Their Twitch is doing awesome. Uh, I still have a lot of love for Blackcraft because their entire team over there. Um, has always been super supportive, man. It's, it's, it's something that started with Bobby messaging me and just saying like, Hey man, um, do you want to like make a shirt? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. Like a little collaboration for black That's how it started to then eventually, like I set up a business and I called my business black mass LLC. And uh, you know, we did one shirt and we did two shirts and we did three shirts. And it, it became like really popular. And Bobby was like, what do you think about just kind of like naming it all black mass under blackcraft black call? I'm like, fuck yeah. And then, of a sudden we had our own website and we 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 did this and we got our own distribution going and i don't know it's one of those things that in three four years went from like oh this is fun to do to like i've actually employed three of my best friends and uh you know there's it's not like it's like 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 making 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 hundreds of thousands of dollars but we're doing okay and that's all i've ever wanted to do you know for you to do okay especially for my friends so you know that there is like some extra money in there in, in in it for them and you know, they, they're able to get their creativity out. And because everything is always an open discussion, you know what I mean? If, 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 if Daz, one of the designers is like, Tom, I've got this really cool idea for like a hoodie or a jacket. I'm like, all right, put it put it together and let me know, let's vote on it. Cause I might not always be right. I might, I I don't want to be one of those guys that is like completely stifled in his vision and is like, Oh, this is what we're doing. And if we're, you know, um, sometimes it's good good to go out the box and just kind of like come out with something that is still in our wheelhouse, but seems a bit, you know, it stands out. And I um, I really love that I can do that. And one of the things that like you know one of the things I got to do is I got to work with Integrity. We're currently, and this is a little bit of a uh, little, little bit of a spoiler. We're working with Cult Leader right now. I'm actually wearing one of their shirts. I love Cult Leader. Uh, we're doing some stuff with them. And you know we've got some other bands that we're talking to. I'm working with Paul Booth. I'm working with Blackville yeah, I'm working with Blackville tattoo and doing some stuff. There's just so many cool things that it allows me to do and it really makes me happy. You know what I mean? Like genuinely as a human being, it makes me happy. And that is something that I find extremely valuable.
0: What have you learned about the apparel business that you didn't know three or four years ago?
1: I think the general process as to how stuff is being put on paper to being put on a T and that concept being you know, forked over to then, you know, materialize on a shirt, you know, and it sounds very simplistic, but I always like, I had no idea how this stuff went. Like, I think it allowed me to have a better sense of business because it also teaches you what sells and what doesn't sell, but also how can you make something that doesn't sell very well? How can you turn it into something that does sell very well? You know, where like, for instance, like we, you know, we brought out a hat. And it didn't really do much. But then all of a sudden I put it on a specific person and I put a picture up and I had like all of a sudden there were 60 units sold. And I was like, okay, what's what's the difference maker here? You know, and is it this person? Is it the way we shot the picture? Is it the colors of the picture? Is it something aesthetically that's pleasing to more people? So
0: did you ever feel like you got a good answer to that? Because my, my experience is that sometimes you just have no fucking idea. There's stuff that you think is going to sell well that doesn't and vice versa and try to learn from it. But it's really fucking hard to know.
1: Well, so for instance, right? We bring out this uh, this workout hoodie without, without sleeves. It's this giant blast reaper that we have. And that thing, we can't keep it in stores. Every single time we bring it out within a day, it's gone.
0: Which is kind of surprising to me because that's sort of an unusual silhouette, like a sleeveless hoodie. I wouldn't expect that to sell super well.
1: No, exactly. But I wanted to try it. I have two very, very talented photographers like Ferrero Photography, you can find him, and Ryan Loco. I think you might know Ryan Loco.
0: I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. Yeah, he's he's been around MMA and stuff forever.
1: Yes, correct. You know, I love these dudes, and um, you know they do great business for me because their vision. Again, another thing where I can ha- I have it here, but I need someone to like you know I, I need someone to guide what I have in my head. And both Ryan and Daniel, Daniel Ferrero, they do such a phenomenal job in presenting that. Like I love working with creative people, and that's also why I love this. But you know that hoodie. I, I don't get it like it's a comfortable hoodie I wear it too when I work because that's the other thing I would never bring anything out that I didn't want like I wouldn't wear myself you know I would never present something to the world where I was like well I'm just presenting that to make money yeah I, I, I can't do that so you know I, I wear my own stuff um, you know because I feel like a cop-on if I do that like why like like you know um, we're actually creating these like really uh, weird pool shorts and I'm pretty sure that someone's going to say, ah, you're not going to wear those. And I'm going to take pictures of <laughs> them. I'm damn right. I'm going to take pictures of
0: them. Hey, I'm, um, I'm European. We're all about wearing weird short shorts.
1: <laughs> exactly. So short shorts. Exactly. Uh, I want to tap my legs, man. Come on. And, but, but for some reason that design and that, that cut and that product, it just rocks off the, like, I don't know why. And we, we just ordered a bunch more. Like we had it in stock. The first time we did it within it, a day it was gone. Second time we did it, day and a half, it was gone. Then we had a small extra batch that I kept back just in case, because I didn't think we were gonna sell them out. So I put the small batch back on in like half a day, gone. And I'm like, what is it about? I and mean, even like my designer Daz is like, what is it about this design that people find so aesthetically, but at the same time, I'm not I'm not questioning, it. I think it's a cool design, but there's stuff that we have in the store that sometimes are much more me than, than other designs that I would expect to do well But then they don't.
0: It just kind of makes you wonder, it's like, man, I've been doing this for a few years now. Like, I still have no clue what's going to sell. Do I know anything?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. And it's also like, I feel like, you know, we have a, we have a specific style, but we have a style that's made out of multiple styles. Yeah. It's not just one singular thing that we're doing. And I, I draw, like I said, I draw inspiration from a lot of that stuff that I said, but even that stuff a lot of times changes. Like one of the things that I saw recently that I really wanted to try is like different color tees. I've never done anything other than black and white or white and black, or like okay, you know, on occasion we'll do like a black shirt with a red design. Um, but then we started like like my 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 buddy Pablo was like, hey, why don't we try a lilac shirt? And I was like, oh okay, give me this design and put it on green, pink, lilac, blue, baby, and like and we put them all on the page, and I could not have gotten more different answers. You know what I mean? But people were stoked on just the fact that there were multiple colors. And I'm like, and I'm looking at like, you know, because I always try to look at what's, um, what's, what's, you know, what's a trend right now, because I have to balance the, this is what I like. But I also know that this is what people like to wear right now and then put them together, right? And I look at a lot of these, uh, actually, uh, like I've, I've looked at a lot of like, you know, the kids that like, you know, you present in your bands, like guys like Youngblood and stuff like that. And like, how do they dress? And like, it's funny that you say like, you know, they look like mall core emo kids uh-huh. <laughs> from like the early mid 2000s. And how would I make myself marketable to them without compromising who we are and what we do? but i still want them to look at us and go oh you know that's cool to wear but then i also see a lot of these kids you know that wear the big red baggy pants with the chains and then wear right. a cannibal coat shirt and I'm like well, that's how i used to look when i was 15. you know what right. i mean and it's just like it's 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 so funny like this truly is an age of individualism and 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 like being able to be diy i don't think there's a bigger diy culture now because people can use i mean you're doing it you got youtube you got patreon you got like your own merch and i absolutely love that
0: and it's all from my shitty little ikea desk in my living room
1: isn't it the best though yeah but it's the same with what i do i created all that by myself and it got me huge opportunities maybe that's why i'm not mad (laughs) maybe that's why because i was able to create it myself and got so far with it right
0: you did it you know once you can do it again yeah did it more than once yes you can do it again
1: yeah it's just cool to see so many of these kids and whether or not people like, hate, or think their music is whatever, whatever they do, I just love seeing it. I love seeing people succeed. I, I love seeing these kids that are struggling, and you know that they've got this really hyperbole, like creative mind, and they make they ma- they make something and it works and it's and it succeeds and it's their generation and gets it and you know you see these 16, 17 year old little rappers and like it's 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 awesome.
0: That's what's inspiring to me. Even if I don't like what they're doing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be for me. I'm just inspired by especially kids that young.
1: Knocking it out the park. I love it. Yeah, it's
0: fucking awesome to see. That just makes me happy every time. And I'm always going to cheer for those kids, even if it's not my personal cup of tea or not.
1: No, but also because... You know, I understand how they feel because I was that struggling kid. You know, I was that, I was that, I was that misunderstood struggling kid that came from bad places, did bad things, and fuck. I remember being 15 years old, waking up in a fucking squatter house, and looking to my left, there's a dude with a fucking needle in his arm, laying, laying, and I'm like, I don't think it's a 15 year old, I need to be here. You know what I mean? Surrounded <laughs> right. by like fucking something fucking went wrong. Drunken. Yeah, you know, fucking drunken people and like, like people on uh, 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 drugs and shit, and just. Being consumed, and like I'm never, I've never been, a, I've never been a drugs guy. Um, I did have my 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 stints with alcohol, with 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 alcohol, bad as well. But just like always feeling desolation, always feeling bleak desolation. And like I said, waking up as a fifteen year old kid in an environment like that, and you kind of go, this is not good for me. I should not be here. And be why am I here? And then like all the list of reasons why you you can't be home because you you don't feel comfortable or safe at home. And you know what I mean. And I understand that need for like I, I need to be successful i need to create something that allows me to get out of here and then i see this to the see them succeed that it makes me so happy man it make like i'm 36 you know and like for me that 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 was all 20 20 21 22 years ago but it's so good to see in that time that kids now have the tools to do all these like things it makes me super pumped for them you know, because I, I feel for them. I get them.
0: Well, that sounds like a, a pretty good note to end it on to me. Is there anything, any other words of wisdom or stuff you want to talk about uh, for anybody who may be listening?
1: <laughs> Man, don't compromise, never compromise. You know you' you're 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 gonna get so many people in your ear growing up. You're gonna especially once you get a little bit of fame, a little bit of success because as someone once told me, success has many fathers. Failure only has one. So if you're going to go out, die on your own sword and at least make sure that you did everything you could to be successful, to to set yourself up for good things in life, don't compromise. Deep down in your gut, you know what's right. You know yourself. Even when, you, even when you're so insecure about everything that you do, you still know yourself better than the person that's trying to whisper in your ear. Trust who you are and you're going to be fine.
0: You know, I think if you know in your heart that you gave 100%, you'll be okay if you fail. You know, it stings, you don't like it. But what really fucking sucks is failing and knowing that you could have done a little bit more and wondering, like, man, what would have happened if I actually gave it 100%? Yep.
1: No, I agree. That's that's the big one. And I've been there a couple of times. And that's why. Yeah, that's why I was like, "Nah, we're not going out like that. <laughs> no, nah, I full wholeheartedly agree with that. That's a, that's, a, that's a good one. Absolutely.
0: Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing uh, what's next for you, and uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Thank you, man. appreciate it. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag
1: and create unique and exclusive content like our concerts on the corner series
0: whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music we think you'll find something you'll enjoy we can't wait to see you on the corner of gray street
1: hi i'm Daniela clark i'm barbara ann wilde and we are the honest af show